Hello and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm Jody Heisch, your host. Honored to have you on board with us. When I say we have a very special edition, here's what I am referring to. We are actually going to break this up into two different podcasts. I recently was on a CODEL. A CODEL is a congressional delegation. Uh, we call it a CODEL. It's a, it's a trip. And I, along with a few other of my colleagues, went on a trip to the southern border of Texas. We wanted to see firsthand what's happening on our southern border. This CODEL was led and put together by my good friend, whom we'll be talking to here in just a few moments, Representative Michael Cloud. He is from the southern part of Texas, did an absolutely spectacular job putting this CODEL together. And so what we did, we actually, uh, this, these two episodes are not coming to you from Washington, D.C. Uh, actually, they will be coming to you from the southern border and people that we were speaking with while they're on that CODEL. Texas has five sectors, is what they call it, five regions that go across the border. We, on this CODEL, visited two of those sectors, the Laredo sector and the Rio Grande Valley sector. And listen, you, you're not going to have to take my word for it. We're going to be talking to people who are there. But we have absolutely an unprecedented emergency taking place on our border. The surge of illegal immigration, the surge of drugs, the surge of human uh, trafficking, it, it is beyond. It is absolutely beyond description. And so we're going to be hearing the perspectives straight from those who are on the front line of this crisis. And we wanted to bring this information to you. Now, you're not going to hear, as you well know by now, very much talk about the crisis coming from Democrats in Washington, D.C. But there is an enormous problem at our southern border. Now, just in the Rio Grande Valley sector, on its own, and you've heard me say this in the past, but the U.S. Border Patrol has apprehended nearly 200,000 people in that one sector alone in the last seven months. This is well over 2,000 people every day, and many of them are family units. And uh, to make matters worse, many of the border agents are encountering what they call fake families, uh, these are uh, primarily coming from Central America, but these are not true families. It will be an adult with a child, and the adult is claiming to be the parent, but really uh, it's not the parent. And so the border agents are having to determine who are you, who is this child, all this type of stuff, and it just is uh, making the problem so much more difficult to deal with. All of this, the family units, the fake families, it's just creating an enormous strain on our resources, on our capacity, on our men and women who are trying to defend the border. Uh, and listen, there's no question, we have uh, a clear security crisis taking place. We have a clear humanitarian crisis at the border. And the, the Trump administration, uh, to their full credit, they have been trying to do everything they can to address the problem. In fact, they've requested $4.5 billion in emergency spending, uh, and they've sent that request to Congress. Much of that would go towards humanitarian assistance as well as dollars for uh, detention facilities, 
as well as our law enforcement agencies to try to deal with this extreme surge of illegal crossings and the asylum claims. But again, unfortunately, the Democrats have done everything they can to block the president's every attempt to address the crisis. Now, we all know Democrats love to spend money. But interestingly, when it, when it comes to money that the president wants to spend to address the border crisis, Democrats have done everything they can to stop it because they obviously they, they would think that that would be a victory for the president and they're unwilling to give him a victory even if it is in the best interest of our country. So there has yet to be a vote on these critical resources that would go to our overwhelmed agents and the situation there on the border. We've had multiple amendments to a host of different bills that we have filed, but again, the Democrats have refused to let any of that go forward. Now, no doubt money would help in the short term, but there is also there, there are a few things that we can do immediately to try to address the problem. So again, in this first episode, uh, we are going to be talking to my good friend Michael Cloud from the 27th District of Texas, uh, but just to bring a few things that can be done into perspective immediately, he, along with a number of my Freedom Caucus colleagues, including myself, have sent a letter to the Acting Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Kevin McAleenan, uh, and we have asked him to take action. And without waiting any more on House Democrats to put politics aside, which I think they will never do, the DHS and the administration can do certain things to try to speed up and hopefully limit the number of illegals who are coming into the country. Uh, for example, some of the things that can be done and that we are requesting in the letter is, number one, to train the Border Patrol to conduct credible fear interviews for those who are seeking asylum. That's a big deal that could be uh, a, extremely helpful in filtering through many people who are coming with false asylum claims. Another thing that can be done is changing the ICE parole policy to prevent them from releasing asylum seekers that are likely not going to even qualify for asylum in the first place. And then another thing that can be done is to limit the legal work authorization for asylum seekers. So there, there's nothing in the law that says that people who are coming to this country seeking asylum have to be given legal work authorization. So why are we doing it? But we are. All of these folks are given the right to come into the United States and work if they claim asylum. That does not need to be happening. So, look, it's clear that the lack of border security has created a magnet, literally, for illegals coming into this country. They literally come here expecting to enter the United States without any consequences whatsoever. And this creates not only an unjust situation for those who are trying to come legally, but obviously this whole system that we have is broken and it's, it's dangerous. Uh, we are watching the cartels profit by transporting immigrants illegally into our country. Uh, obviously the cartels are transporting drugs illegally into our country. 
uh, the whole thing is just an absolute mess. And I don't want to continue uh, this discussion any further. Uh, and so without further ado, if you will, let's jump into this special interview with Representative Michael Cloud from Texas 27, who put this codel together and is a, a great voice as to what's happening on our southern border. Well, let's jump right into our special guest uh, who's joining me this evening. He's the leader of the letter and also the organizer of the mission that we've just gone on on the southern border. Uh, with me tonight, a fellow Freedom Caucus member, is Michael Cloud. He represents the 27th District of Texas, and he's been a longtime defender of conservative values for many, many years. Uh, and actually, he and I share some similar background in ministry. Yes, we do. Uh, for over 10 years, he served at the Faith Family Church in Victoria, uh, Texas. Uh, and he's a, a member of the uh, House Oversight Committee and is the ranking member of the subcommittee on economic and consumer policy. He also serves on space science and technology committee in Congress. Michael, thank you on so many fronts, but this, uh, this trip to the border has been spectacular. Uh, thank you for putting that together. It's great to have oh, you on the program. Yeah, well, thank you, for, thank you for coming. It's always fun to hang out with you, but uh, this is also an important issue. It's it's enormous. So let's just start with that. Uh, you, you're you're in Texas. You've been here. You've seen a lot in the district in which you serve. Um, what are our border agents dealing with? Yeah, what they're dealing with is is a crisis that has just grown exponentially over the last couple months. Um, and you know, we here in Texas have known this has been an issue for for years, right. it, and it's just gone unaddressed. The Flores settlement has exacerbated the problem. Um, and now we just see cartels taking complete advantage of American generosity. And uh, they have con complete situational control on the southern border. Uh, they got their fingers on what's going on on our side of the border. Uh, we just met with landowners here who you know, constantly have their fences run over. And that was have, unbelievable. Yeah, have their own locks replaced by cartel members uh, putting locks on their own and property. And have to walk their own property with a gun in their uh, hand. Yeah, just to protect their family because you never know what you're going to come across. And and this is happening in here in the God-blessed good old United States of America. And it's a situation that really needs to be addressed. Thankfully, I think we're beyond the point where people are realizing this is not a manufactured crisis. It, it's a real crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis. It's a criminal crisis. It's a national security crisis. Um, and it is beyond time that we address it. Well, it, it really is. I think that's extremely well said. And, you know, when you put together like what you did for us on the southern border, opportunities to be with the agents, opportunities to be with landowners, uh, opportunities to be with people who live in the, the area, just all the stakeholders coming together and you see, I mean, literally just in every, I, I'm not sure you could go anywhere on the border and be there for a very long period of time without seeing scads of people coming right. into the U.S. Right. And, and when you're not here and it's a report or a stat on a paper, it's hard to really comprehend the impact that the situation is having throughout the region. In, in my my district, there's a couple of highways that go from the border that, that meet in my district. They call that the fatal funnel because that's where the humans are being trafficked through. That's where the drugs are being trafficked through, and they go out across the nation. Um, and and one of the interesting things I think that came out is when when at one of the facilities they said, who's going to 
who's going to Atlanta? And a bunch of people raise their hand. Who's yeah. going to Boston? And they raise their hand. These people aren't necessarily, and the drugs aren't staying at the border town. They're going, the, the goal going for the cartels the is to get it all over the country. I mean, it's a distribution center. Uh, and this is just the crossing point for it. And, you know, we, we've we got to deal, take this situation seriously because even if we fixed everything now, if we could flip a switch and fix it, I, I would suspect that we wouldn't even understand the impact for another decade or so. When you think of the, the family members that are going to be affected, the kids who could get hooked on drugs that have already been put in play in, a, in our country. And, you know, it's, it's just devastating. It, it's We've got to Well, and it. just the way they are so well organized in that with already knowing who is going to Atlanta or who's going to Boston or wherever it is in the country. Right. They are, they've already got their track. They know where they're going. They have contacts in those different places all throughout the country. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a group of people who have no plan or no right. strategy. They know exactly what they're the, doing. These aren't your 1980s street gangs from a movie. You uh-huh. know, this is a highly organized, extremely well-funded international, multinational operation that has no regard for human life. It's all about profit. And they're coming across a border where we are, uh, as you mentioned, way over, uh, they are way overfunded compared to us. Uh, Our personnel, the challenges are too big. We are understaffed. We're just not fit to deal with the enormity of the problem. Yeah, I think you were doing the math. We were (laughs) on a scratch pad uh, account. Uh, The Rio Grande Valley sector gets about... 13 million in funding annually annually uh and uh the cartels are making what was it? 82, 80, million 82 million a week, a week. <laughs> yeah uh, uh, come on. yeah and who's gonna win that battle you have extremely capable good-hearted people here working the situations at the border that are completely overwhelmed with the situation and and they always prioritize life you know, you hear the demonizing, which is so sad because when you're here and you see their heart for people, they're trying to help people. Oh yeah. But the the problem is one of the one of the things we saw today was fifty percent of the agents that are supposed to be deployed in the field are basically doing paperwork. Um, yeah, processing uh, these people. Right, which means they're not guarding the post, which means more drugs are coming in. Exactly. Um, and you know, it's. It's All right, well, let's talk about the, the letter that you sent to the acting DHS secretary. Go a little bit more uh, into detail. What was behind the, the letter? What do you hope to come of it? Yeah, basically the letter listed a bunch of administrative solutions that can be taken. I mean, let's be honest. This is Congress's problem. Oh, yeah. Constitutionally, Congress is supposed to do something about this. Unfortunately, we haven't done. We can still try to push that down the field, but that's a long-term proposition. The analogy that I've had is you have a patient that's on the table. They have a long-term disease. You want to address that. But if they're bleeding out, you got to fix the bleeding. And that's what this border crisis is. So you have an immigration crisis issue or you have an immigration issue. You have a border um, issue. And then you have an emergency border situation. And those are related issues, but they're kind of three different things. And so uh, the, the goal was for us to really research and get down to what are some administrative things that could happen now, almost at at the flip of a switch, that the administration could do to begin to help mitigate the emergency situation and get control of it. Um, I've asked the Border Patrol before, what's what's a win for you right now? And they said, we want situational awareness. We're not they're not even hoping for being able to control the situation yet. We're just hoping to have the tools and resources to to understand what's going on. Um, 
course. So I, I want us to be able to get to the point where they resourced, they're resourced for a win um, to mitigate the crisis. But, but that's where we're at right now. And so we've got to get beyond that. We've got to find solutions for that. The long term, we've got to fix asylum. We've got to fix immigration. We've got to do all those legislative fixes. But in the short term, here's some administrative fixes that we can put in place to get things done. Well, I think that is a great step in the right direction. And, you know, one of the things that uh, you and I and some others who were on the trip discussed, too, was, and I think you described it extremely well, of taking the southern border to Washington as opposed to trying to get more congressmen to come to the southern border. What do you mean by that? There's when when you come here to the border, it doesn't take ten minutes of a discussion with a border patrol agent or a landowner to to really have the light bulb come on to realize that oh my, this is to have a completely different paradigm shift. It's a huge problem, uh, yeah. right? And so it'd be great if we could bring all of Congress here to the border to to see it, but that's going to take logistically years to to do. Right. Uh, we don't have that kind of time. Again, we have a, a patient who's bleeding out on the table, and so I'm. Can get back to Washington. Let's look at ways we can we can bring that same intelligence briefing we had this morning uh, that talks about everything the cartels are doing and how they're manipulating the system and everything they're doing to gain you know the the safe houses that are supposed the stash houses really is what they are where they right. you know take advantage of people and drugs and um, and and get everybody in Washington understanding and seeing that you know um, to bring that kind of reporting up there and then. Uh, is, the stories we've seen, you know, the, tool, the tools that are available, the dogs, the technology, right. uh, you know, all the infrastructure that can happen. Um, we can get, if we can, I, so much of it, I think, is an information issue. Well, I agree. And ever since uh, you mentioned that, um, I, my mind has just been going 90 miles an hour. And I think that really is going to be the best approach. We've get, Every person in America needs to know what's happening here on the southern border. Right. But the only ones that can really address the problem is Congress. And if we cannot get members of Congress here, the next best solution, or probably the best even to begin with, let's take what we can to them and bring that awareness, that situational awareness, right into the laps of Congress. I think uh, that's a great idea, and I'm totally on board in moving in that direction. Yeah, I'm excited to see what can happen when people know because, you know, I mean, definitely in Congress, unfortunately, there's people who are in their entrenched position and they're going to stay there because of whatever political purpose they think. But but I, I do think there are those as well who, you know, coming from Texas, one of the things I realized when you know, I'm, I'm a new new guy and when I got there in July was to realize that, you know, there's just a lot of people that just don't understand that, you know, it's not in their backyard. And in the same way, I wouldn't understand something going on in their district. But the thing is, is that this is having a national impact. No um, question. And um, and so if we can bring the understanding, hopefully we can find uh, some points of agreement and really get something done on this. Don't you think that we're winning the, the battle? The American people are becoming more and more aware that this is a national crisis. And I For think sure. as a result sure. of that, the Democratic Party is having to wake up to the reality. Uh, I, I There's just a part of me that believes at the end of the day we're going to be able to act on this. Well, yeah, if you consider six months ago, this was a manufactured, made-up crisis that the president constructed for some campaign to now it's like, okay, no, this this is <laughs> – there's really lives that are being affected by this. Right. Uh, and, and this is affecting communities. You know, here in South Texas, of course, you have the communities bearing the burden, the the hospitals, the, the schools, the – the counties, I mean, you don't even want to talk about it, but the county morgues that are having to bury 
the dead bodies from people who are dehydrated as they're trying. You know, they get and handed a water bottle. And tons of those bodies uh, are found. Yeah. You talk to ranchers down here, they say they find them all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, because what the cartels do is uh, almost like a travel agent go across the world saying, hey, come to America. It's going to be great. You know, here's a water bottle. You walk about an hour and you'll be to freedom. Um, and, of course, that's not the case here in this. It's several days. It's several days in uh, hot Texas sun. terrain. Um, and, and too often, even after they get here, if they have a contact in the United States, they're extorting their contact for more financial gain. I mean, and uh, that's not even going to the, the women and children that are abused uh, along the journey. So uh, by the time they get into the United States, these people have already been through a, a whole lot. And it's it's been allowed and promoted by our lax policy on the border. Absolutely. Well, last question, Michael. You mentioned it a while ago. I want to make sure that our listeners understand stash houses. What what are they? Yeah, it's easy. A house is a very nice term for this. You know, a lot of times it'll be a, a hollowed out trailer in the middle of a ranch somewhere that's hidden. Uh, hopefully off the grid if you're a, a cartel member where you'll have 30 people to one toilet uh cartel members m- might feed him a bologna sandwich a day where it's meant to be kind of a, a, a stopping point along the journey uh and again where a lot of these uh, these people are, are waiting their contact in the united states and the cartel members will find their contact and say well we we, we have them here uh, another couple thousand dollars we can get them to you um, or they'll find another way to to Extort make a money. profit off of right. them. I mean, for the cartels, it's it's callous disregard for life. It's all about money. It's all about money to them. It's just dollar figures. And for someone, especially like in in slave modern day slavery, you know, I mean, for them, they 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 only make a profit once off of a kilo of coke. Uh, right. For a human life, that's residual income for them, and it's 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 just. To think that that's how they think is just beyond any any decent person's human life, but that, I mean, uh, human thinking. But but that's that's just that's how they what think. We're with. That's, so these people, do, uh, regardless of their country of origin, they are paying someone to get them to the border, and, and which may be the cartel, maybe someone else to get right. them to the border. But when they get to the border, then the cartels require money to get them across the border to to, to the tune of thousands of dollars. Right. They get them across the border. Put them in these stash houses and then demand more money from family members uh, of these individuals in order to get them out of the stash houses, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Right, right. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, and and to think that we allow that by our our policies, by our appetite for drugs, by uh, having a lax policy on the border. You know, uh, we it's it's really. we have to do something about this as a nation. Well, Michael Cloud, thank you so much for your leadership on this issue. Uh, it's an honor to serve with you in Congress, in the Oversight Committee, as well as the House Freedom Caucus, and to be a co-laborer with you uh, in your leadership right here on this issue on our southern border. Thank you so much. It's an well, honor to have you. Thank you. Enjoy working with you, and thank, thanks for what you're doing as well. Well, thank you so much. And for each of you listening today, we appreciate it. Please take time to review this. Check us out on facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and also Twitter handle at Freedom Caucus. Hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day. Till next time, this is Jody Heiss. Have a great, great day.